I'm Rosie Maddio, and welcome to From Pot to Popular, a new podcast where we interview the media, marketers, and moguls who are mainstreaming cannabis. Welcome to today's episode of Pot to Popular. I'm your host, Rosie Maddio. Today, we're joined by Chad Bronstein, co-founder and CEO of Philo. Philo was just named one of 2020's top startups by Business Insider. Chad's going to talk to us today about what Philo does to help shepherd mainstream marketers through the cannabis ecosystem. Welcome, Chad. Thanks, Rosie, for having me. It's, uh, I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, I know. I know. They're both are busy schedule. It's been a bit of a challenge, but I'm so glad we, we got it together. And it's a great way to cap off the week with us chatting. Um, yep. So I wanted to start a little bit with your background. I mean, obviously, welcome to the podcast. Give us just a quick, you know, two minute elevator pitch and what Philo is. Yeah. So uh, prior to starting Philo, I was in Mar- the MarTech and AdTech industry for almost 13 years. I was a CRO of a large company called Amobi, where um, I was there for about eight years and then saw a huge opportunity in the cannabis arena and really wanted to go into something that was kind of that didn't have maturity in it and that had a lot of opportunity for growth. And I saw cannabis being a, op- a really opportune trend. And um, once I jumped into it, I learned so much and Philo, you know, started off as something and has pivoted into something so, so much different than when we originally started. And Philo really focuses on two parts of the ecosystem. It's one is compliance, another side is data. So we're working with a lot of um, law firms and MSOs, and they use our platform for understanding the regulatory environment. And then the other side of our business is, you know, we've been able to really create a data ecosystem that allows a lot of major brands, both in cannabis and non cannabis, to really understand their consumers, also be able to reach their consumers in different mindsets. Yeah, that's great. And it really is, you know, even from the beginning, you know, I've been working obviously in cannabis marketing, you know, for six years. And this is really the holy grail, right? How do we reach consumers? And you guys are, have created that solution. So, I mean, it, it, this is a long time coming in and such a need for the industry. But I, I, I love like Rosie, to take another Rosie, I feel like you're, you're like the pioneer of the space. Like uh, if, if you're not using Matteo, you got some problems in the space, right? <laughs> That's right, but we've been trying to solve this this problem. Now we have a solution for our clients, which is Philo. So this is a very good partnership for the two of us. Yeah. Um, but talk to me a little about your 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 chief revenue officer at Amobi, right? Which is obviously one of the leading digital advertising platforms in the world. Talk to us about how that experience influenced your business strategies at Philo. Like, what did you? What are the big key tenets that that were at Amobi that you brought over to cannabis, and how is it more even more impactful for this space? Yeah. So. Partially, like when I was at Amobi, I worked, um, we were at Conian, which is prior to Amobi. I worked with um, Kim Perel, who's the CEO, and a lot of, you know, the same tactics that we use at Amobi, which was, you know, building the proper teams, really uh, talk, making sure that brand comes first. A lot of the mentality that I built within my teams over there, I took with me to Philo, right? And so a lot of the Rolodex and the people that I met at Amobi, not just at Amobi when I was running, but in my ecosystem, you'll see that we actually have a lot of those people at Philo. So for example, like our chief of data compliance, Nicole Cosby, I met Nicole at Puvisys negotiating our commercial contracts back in the day when we bought a company and me and her became really close friends. And I knew that when I was starting this and building this data ecosystem, I would need her expertise. So I reached out to her and here we are, right? Eric Shani um, was at Amobi, his company got bought and that's how we met. And so, a lot of the people that have come into Philo are people that 
are from my past history of that I thought if we jumped into cannabis and did what we've done with Philo, we can accomplish greatness. And it's about team. Like I would, team and technology is hugely important, but team is what really led to our success at Amobi or now it's our success at Philo. So you asked me what I took away from it is, is what we are able to build from ground up to kind of what we took at Philo. We started Philo a year and seven months ago and we were, it was me. And now we're at 75 people. I had two first co-founders. And so it's, we've moved really quickly, but it's been, I wouldn't be able to do it without my team that we've built from my past life. Yeah. I have to say that, you know, most people I speak to, the most rewarding part of being an entrepreneur or founder is when you build that team and you see it grow and you have this high quality and ecosystem around you, like what could be better. But is there a specific moment when you recognize and when you have these conversations with these people that were in the mainstream business with you, with the long-term potential of the canvas industry for your specific platform? Like what were those conversations? What was that moment where you recognize that this is really going to take off like a rocket ship specifically in cannabis? Well, I always saw like when you're at a, I'm not going to say just in general, when you're at like a Google, or any big company, like cannabis wasn't the opportunity. You're not going to risk your ability to do what you're doing with Fortune 100 brands in cannabis at that time, right? Because cannabis, now it's, you can't ignore it. But back then you could ignore it because you don't want to deal with the legalities around it. And so I knew that if we play the game right and educated the market that it would take time, but that there was a lot of potential. And so at any company, I'm not going to just in general, like you, no one wanted to touch cannabis. So I said, what if I was going to actually go create a foundation that we can touch cannabis? And that's kind of where it came about. And, uh, you know, Katie Ford, who was at a movie with me, um, who's now the head of Goldman on Twitter, like she was one of the first people I was talking to about the idea. She's like, I think this is a great idea. So I'm going to, you know, you, you had to make a choice, Rosie, at the time, you know, I'm married, I have a kid. I was, you know, successful running a Moby and it's like, I'm going to go take a huge risk here. And my wife's like, just go do it. And so I, you know, I really started talking to people about the idea and they're like, this is great. And so that's how it kind of got started. Um, Katie, Eric Shani, who's my co-founder and Aristotle, um, who actually is nowhere near, he didn't have any marketing technology experience. He was from Marcus Simonis, sold his company to Marcus Simonis, sunglass guy. Right. So um, just again, there was a couple of different hot buttons, but I would say one of them was just seeing um, a brand like Jewel, which is it was an e-cig brand, not being able to find an avenue ever for advertising. It's kind of what, you know, kind of what highlight piqued my interest. For sure. And, you know, from an idea, you know, and three of you to 75 people, this has been a pretty big year for Philo specifically. I know over the summer, you guys launch uh, cannabis-derived audiences in partnership with some of the leading consumer data platforms like IOTA. Tell us how about that partnership and how it came to be and also how it'll transform the marketing landscape for cannabis and mainstream companies. Right now, you're saying we're at this moment where you don't really have to choose, right? You know, you built this platform and the mainstream technology platforms are taking notice. Talk to us how this came together and the transformational moment that really is. Yes. I mean, in order for data to ever get bought in the ecosystem, you have to have partnerships and you have to go through a lot of uh, challenges. And that's again, uh, what we've had in terms of being able to get your data bought by major brands. And so partnering with IOTA and some other players that allowed us to really get our audiences out there to the ecosystem. But also like, if you look at yesterday, we did a, um, MRI Simmons partnership on our, I mean, we have an MRI Simmons partnership and we did our webinar and really what we're doing right now is just educating, partnering with MRI, IOTA and many others to really get our, um, our 
education out there to say, wow, this is about these audiences. You can't, you can't ignore, you can't ignore anymore. Right. With the recent election, five new States come on board. They project $9 million of growth. Like it's, it's up there with spirits now and beer and all these different verticals. So we're really just partnering with the right people to get our message out there that are also interested in what we're doing. And it's really allowed the mainstream world. And I call it the mainstream world because you have cannabis and then you have everyone else. And so um, it's really getting the Fortune 100 CPGs, retails, pharma, et cetera, to take notice on, wow, we really should understand this human and why this human does this in this environment and why we should be also be targeting them for our brands because it makes sense. Yeah. And then what do you believe are the best ways to utilize this new service? Talk to us about like a real, um, a real time implication of the partnership. So if, you know, for in the world I come from, you know, you have to have partnerships allow to again to have data available. So you can use them directly through Philo or you can, if you're buying through another platform, I, there really, really isn't a part, there isn't a place that Philo's data is not available. So you could technically buy it. If you're an agency, you could go through a platform and buy it, buy our data to date, right? So it's an open ecosystem that we partner with a lot of different players. And um, uh, we made sure that as we're building it, that we had very little barrier to entry. Yeah, uh, that's great. And just this, uh, you know, th- this union of mainstream and cannabis, like I said earlier, is the whole holy grail. And it's because like the industry is finally at that point where we, we have this infrastructure, right? And the resources to collect the data to inform these marketing decisions. So how does data collection and the use of the data, you know, you've been doing this long time, differ between cannabis and the more established industries? Like, is there a difference between how we collect data or the types of data or any of any barriers that you need to go to to get to this point? You really, I mean, I think everyone at this point is under the same rules. Meaning like if you're CCPA is in California, you have to follow CCPA, you have to follow GDPR, like the same rules come, privacy policies come in play. And so you have, if you're, whether you're in cannabis or in the mainstream world, I think everyone at this point is set to the same standard and how you collect data is, you know, it's somewhat similar. You can't, there's a lot of different approaches we take for it, but we want to make the audience robust and the data rich. Right. And so the data that we collect is very much strong, like purchase-based data, and that allows a brand to really get a you know enriched consumer. And we also bring in other audiences, not just cannabis audiences, but you start with that derived audience that you mentioned, and you can really create a robust segment off of Rosie, for example. Like Rosie, we obviously know is the number one PR agency in cannabis, but also you, Rosie CEO, have a lot of other behaviors outside of just probably eating edibles or smoking flour, right? And I'm sure you have retail behaviors, all these different things. So you start off with, we know that you're a cannabis enthusiast, but what else do we build around you to make sure that we're properly targeting you in all your different mindsets? And that's what we do. That makes sense. No, it, it does. And I also want to, we didn't talk about this yet. And really the, one of the most important core offerings and reasons people are, are working with Philo is that compliance is really at your core, right? Um, and we yep. know cannabis can be extremely costly industry to operate in. So talk to us about, you know, your compliance tools and why should businesses prioritize investing in compliance solutions, especially if they're younger cash strapped, like, you know, tell them why it's like more costly to not invest in a compliance solution versus the other way. And really how compliance, you know, is one of, you know, your core capabilities. Yeah. So as you know, cause you work with the company we purchased as well, but we bought Canaregs a while ago. Well, not even a while ago, but it feels like a while ago. It's like Actually, I think ago. it's coming on exactly a year, right? MG, yeah, yeah. you're talking about it. That's right. 
Yeah. So uh, when we and Amanda came together, we we always knew that you know she built something special, but there could be a good opportunity for us with our tech backgrounds to develop even make it more special. And I think that's what we've we've done. We've launched a new version of it. But what we've done is is we've created a way more efficient way for major law firms and um, MSOs that are the lawyers of MSOs to really aggregate data, regulatory data that may take someone a week to do. We can do it in minutes. And so we create, like you just said in your earlier um, statement, is that we create efficiencies that otherwise a small company would be paying more for consultative work that we can do through tech. And so we've automated the process. And you're actually going to see something um, really cool that we're going to announce in December. But, you know, we have a huge focus on growing compliance at scale. And it's not just in cannabis, but it's outside of cannabis. We see a lot of different uh, arenas you'd never expect, even in beauty and healthcare, that don't have automated processes around regulatory FDA guidelines that we think we can do. And so Canaregs has been the start of that. And now with Philo, we've evolved Canaregs to... 2.0 and it's been a platform that's big reception to market and um and kudos to amanda for coming up with the idea to start it and now what we've done is really evolve it and i think this is one of the most exciting parts about working with cannabis tech companies when you see actually like the bleeding edge technology or thoughts being born within the cannabis space and then have implications outside of it versus the other way around trying to pull it in here like those are those exciting moments where you know we can really be inform informing how other industries do business so i can't wait to see that unfold for you guys and in terms of like you know acquisitions and some of like the, the exciting things that have happened with you guys in terms of product announcements you guys raised 10 million dollars this year and 26 million in outside capital since last year which is you know pretty impressive you know the past 12 months have been interesting fundraising you know operations for the industry what's the value proposition you guys are pitching to investors and you know as someone who's successfully raised money in one of the tighter uh, markets do you have advice for other entrepreneurs in the space who might have a great idea on their hands and aren't sure how to communicate their vision to investors yeah i think you know we were talking about jason before the call uh, and J jason wiles one of my lead investors and they've been great for us, all our investors, to be honest. When, when I'm, if I were uh, raising money again, it's all about strategic and I say smart money, people that can really help you build your company that are very valuable to your strategy and they have to be aligned with it, right? And when I first went out to pitch investors, again, I, like we talked about earlier, my team and our vision was what people bought, right? And, they, and when they invest in you, they have to believe that whoever they're investing in, it's the start of a story. And there could be tech there, but it's the start of a story, right? They're betting on the long-term uh, pivots and vision and execution of what you can accomplish. And I think when we first raised our first round, which was, you know, we raised 16, like you mentioned, we raised it with Jason and K2 and Arcadian and Fido and Panther and Salvio and all these different funds in cannabis and private investors that allowed us to grow and believe in that first vision. And then when we executed and grew our business, we went out to raise the extra 10 million to continue our hyper growth. We bought Canaregs, put a lot of dev work in, and we were able to raise that second round because we've actually executed on a lot of what we, we've said. Now we still gotta execute more and more, but um, I would say that when I talk to investors, they believe in it's about the team you build and that if they give you money, that they know that that money's gonna be spent smart and also creating transparency throughout the process, making sure that you're honest, that you're, you know, they know where you are in your stages. And I think that if you were to talk to our investors, they would tell you that we've done that um, with them and we have very relationships with them and are very transparent. 
And do you have any advice to other entrepreneurs in space that have these great ideas? Like how, to, how do you think they should go about communicating their vision to the investors? Is it, is it about team? Um, uh, talk to me like, what's that, what's that pitch like? It's so it's, I'm actually, I was uh, funny enough. I was coach I, mean, I went to Miami of Ohio and I was coaching some uh, students and entrepreneur uh, a couple of days ago and they're, they're pitching ideas. And I think that, you know, it's about really being buttoned up with your vision. So when you have a vision, right. Uh, it's what are you going to do to execute that vision? And again, the team's a part of that vision. So if you're going to create a tech platform, you're going to need the proper group around you. Or if you're going to create a PR firm, you're going to need a, the proper people around you to really execute on your vision. So again, it's team and vision and then how you present that, right? What's the plan to, if you, I get two million, if someone gives me two million bucks, they should know how you're going to spend the two million bucks. So making sure in your presentation that you clearly articulate how you're going to use that first 2 million. And uh, I'd also say really that you have to understand your TAM and the ability to skip, like they have to have a clear vision on, you know, what's the return going to be, right? So you have to know, you look at cannabis, it's a trend. It's the trend is your friend right now. Cannabis is in a, you jumped in actually before we did um, early on and you saw a huge trend for, for the anyone, but that was in the beginning before the, it was starting up. Now, the trend is there, but it's still in the middle and not even in the middle. And there's such huge opportunity here. So find in your vision, making sure that there's an opportunity to really scale in a market that there's a lot of potential. For sure. And, you know, we talked as a bunch, you know, team, right? Um, and in addition to the people who joined you from your former uh, life, you guys also recently had a number of pretty high profile executives from major media and marketing companies and even cannabis companies to your board. What's your vision for Philo's future under this leadership and guidance? You can name drop some of the, the, the big names that have, that have come on board and talk to yeah. us like how you're thinking. You guys are, have spent a lot of time and resources building out this like board and leadership team. Talk to us about the strategy behind that. Yeah, I think when just like it's the back to you, like I always use like a, a sports franchise, for example, you have to, all these coaches, right? And you just want to have every, if you, you miss a play, you want someone else to be able to call a play that you may have missed. And so I think that when building a, the board and our advisory board, it was bringing in different experiences. That was really important to me. We're in a market where, we're, like we said, we're talking to both brands and both endemic and non-endemic brands in the market. So that's like talking to grassroots or you're talking to a big Fortune 100 brand, right? And so I wanted both experiences. So like Mitch, who's a chairman of the board and uh, you know I became close friends with, he was he's obviously had a lot of success in the industry and seen a lot. So bringing him on would give me a great experience there, right? And Katie Ford was my first board member who was the president of Spark and then is um, currently holding a leadership role at a big social media company. And then I knew she would bring you know, that brand experience over to Philo and how we approach brands, right? And talk to them. And then Clive Serkins on our board, he was a, he was a CMO of Kimberly Clark and Kellogg's. I knew him from my past life. Same scenario, diversity in terms of how we think. I'm from the brand side. And then Jason Claridge from Jason JW and Jason Claridge. Jason's our board member with Terrison and they're, and they're also venture background. They bring a lot of experience. And then the board's really robust, right? So we actually have a large board for a startup. We have eight people. Lauren Gertner, who I know you know Rosie too. He was kind of a you know, pioneer of cannabis. Yeah. Um, he started uh, Tokyo Smokes and had a very good exit. And he's just, he's great. When I first met with him, he's like, I believe in what you're doing. I want to be on the board. And he's been loyal to us and an excellent board member since. And then we have Christy Hafner just joined, who uh, 
Chrissy, I really brought on because uh, she has a lot of media experience, but she also works with brands. She's on the board of Hatch Beauty and a lot of other different experiences that she's, a, you know, she went through a process when joining our board to make sure it was the right fit for both of us and um, did a lot of DD and love what we were doing. And she thought she could be extremely helpful and she has been. And then we added Craig Robinson, who comes from the real estate background, and he's been extremely helpful for the Canarex side of the business. And I'll stop talking at this, but why we did that is each one of them actually are very active in our business and focus on parts of our business in different areas. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the, the big areas you guys have really, you know, set yourselves apart of, like we mentioned a couple of times is this mainstream acceptance, right. And being able to, to bring CPG into the space, uh, you know, through your compliant platform, but what do you believe are the main regulatory hurdles that are impeding the industry's long-term growth paths uh, to mainstream acceptance? I know you guys are, are solving a problem, uh, are a solution to one of these problems. What do you think are some of these uh, regulatory hurdles that we need to get that we need to get through to get this mainstream acceptance? Well, I still think there's a lot of uh, different, you know, why Canada is a successful platform is because there's still, you know, it's not really mo- so much state regulations, it's local regulations. You can have approval from the state uh, about, you know, you know, Illinois could say something, but then uh, Peoria can say something different, right? If they don't want licenses in. So why, you know, why we've been successful with Canada is because you have to understand local law more than just state and, and or federal, right? So for us, you know, I would say the regulatory landscape is getting better, but still needs to get a lot better and it's, and be more, I would say, organized and seamless. Um, and then from the other so side, nice. yeah, <laughs> and then from the others, yeah. And then the other side is like, for all of us, like we're a tech company, we don't touch the plant, but we still can get a credit line per se right now, just because of safe, safe bank. We, uh, for safe, once safe banking happens, it's going to be excellent for the whole industry. Um, and I think you said something earlier is like, we brought a lot of mainstream players in the space to make sure that we try to destigmatize it. Our, our goal when we started this was like, be a cha- I love being a challenger and underdog. I think anyone that jumps into industries like cannabis does. And so it's really just being loud about the opportunity. And also the, I think cannabis does a lot of great things. So destigmatizing what cannabis is and making it more of a mainstream, it should be a, with, with coronavirus being an essential, that's what it is now. It's a, it's a protected vertical. Yeah, and I think one of the last questions I want to ask, a few more, but in the perfect world, like based on that sentiment, what do you want the cannabis industry to look like five and 10 years from now? And how do you think companies like Philo allow this vision to come to fruition? So I think the cannabis is, company industry is going to look just like a lot of other CPG. Well, it is a CPG, right? It's a consumer packaged good product. So I would say it's going to look just like the industries that we know very well, which is spirits, wine, and beer, I think it's going to be, I think it could be even bigger than all three of those, um, in my opinion, where it's headed. And I think, you know, where coronavirus hit, it really showed the value of cannabis. And when you're going through hard times, like how it helps, right? And you can A, go take Xanax, or B, you could go to a dispensary and find a perfect strain for you that's going to actually help your anxiety, right? So I just think it's become a marketplace that's, uh, that's really helping in these tough times. And I think that uh, Philo is really going to allow it to, you know, do it properly, right? Over the years, five years, we're still going to grow in the marketplace like with everybody else and allow, give services to people that allow them to educate on what they should be doing, how they should be doing it, and then really understanding who the consumers and why they use these products. 
Yeah, that's great. And then my final question, we both have families and I like to end a lot of the episodes with this question. So at the end of the week, I asked my daughters at our, at our dinner table, you know, what was the rose and thorn of your week? You know, the, the, the pits and peaks, like the best and worst part of, of their week. And I always like to ask our guests, what has been, you know, the rose and the thorn of working in the cannabis industry? Let's start with the thorn because I always like to end positively. Talk to me about some of like the biggest challenges you've had and really like what you're most excited about and it's most rewarding for you. There's been a lot of challenges um, in the industry. Uh, I'd say, I think the cha- the beginning challenges was knowing like, you know, the maturity of who you're dealing with in the space. Because as you could, anyone could say is like, when you jump into it, there's a lot of different people that say different things. And so understanding who the right players were and what advice you should take um, was the, the challenges of it throughout the time. And I feel like we've, we've got a good understanding of it now. And the pro of it is that I've just learned so much about the value. Before I jumped into cannabis, I had nowhere near the education that I have today and the value of the cannabis. And so I think learning the value and hearing people's stories of why they jumped in has allowed us to really grow with the space and um, also, you know, focus on that mission to destigmatize it. And because it's an exciting space and you learn something new every day. I love that. You know, you never think, you know, 10 years and none of us thought we'd ever be experts in in this space, right? So I think no, that, yeah. that is like the coolest part. Like I'm a cannabis expert, like who'd have thought? Yeah, um, that's, that's, thing, that's, yeah, that's sorry, true. I don't want to cut you off. No, no, you're right. I was laughing because I was like, before I jumped into this, I would, no one ever thought I jumped into this specifically, right? And so that's, yeah. that's kind of, it's been a, it's funny. And now it defines you, right? It just, it's, yeah. you know, what opportunity this industry has brought to all of us, right? But um, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we reach Philo? And where can we reach um, you if uh, listeners uh, want to reach you? Well, mine's easy. Chat at hellofield.com. And then uh, if anyone wants to learn more about us, just go to our site at hellofield.com. Um, and there's an info page. So if you have any questions, you can always reach out to uh, our alias or me directly. But um, no, uh, Rosie, I appreciate you having me. This has been fun. This is fun. It's always good to connect. Yeah. Thanks so much, Chad. Bye. Thank you, Rosie.